Genre. podcast we review discuss and recap every episode of doctor who one doctor at a time i'm scott corelli i'm cassandra Fredrickson, and i'm nick Jimenez. and today on the show we will be discussing the centauran experiment which is the fourth doctor's third story uh so some background on the centauran experiment and why uh why this episode is presumably uh so short uh, which you guys are probably not used to during Classic Who. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the first thing um, for uh, background for the Centauran experiment, uh, previous to now, to this season, which is the first season being story edited by Robert Holmes, uh, previous to, to then, all episodes of Doctor Who were four to six parters for like a long time. Like, like seven years or something like that. Um, everything was four to six parters. Robert Holmes hated six parters and or longer episodes uh, because he felt that they very rarely warranted the length and he liked tighter episodes. So rather than have two six parters, because he had an idea for a solid six parter that used, you know, every part of the Buffalo as the case may be. Uh, he did not want to have a second six parter. So instead of having a second six parter with this season being, um, I believe it would have been two, let's see, two six parters. No. Yeah. Two six parters and two four parters, I think is what it would have ended up being. Yeah. Uh, instead of doing that, he took one of the six-parters and split it off, making a four-parter, which became the Ark in Space, and a two-parter, which became the Centauran Experiment. It was sort of the first time Doctor Who had done this since the rescue in 1964. Uh, so it had been a long time since they had done a two-parter. And so he was going to try it out. And he, he, he did the arc in space and the way that he was going to try this out was that he, in order to save money, he was like trying to figure out ways to save money on the budget because one of the reasons that Doctor Who did this had the, um, the four and six parters is because you only have to have resources for one story. Every time you write a new story of Doctor Who, you have to recreate a lot of things you have to build sets you have to create costumes for your villains and you have to design spaceships and all sorts of things whereas if you uh for if you can if you can subtract one of those out then you don't have to build as many things and things are cheaper and uh that's better so that's the reason why they were always doing four and six parters and why two parters weren't seen as financially responsible 
so Robert Holmes tried to create a way to make it financially responsible by having the four-parter all on sets and his two-parter on location. So they didn't really have to do anything. They would just go to a place with a camera, shoot the episode, and be done with it. Uh, and and so that's what they planned on doing. And in fact, he even shared uh, the director with Ark in Space. So the Ark in Space was directed by Rodney Bennett, and uh, he went on to direct this episode as well. Uh, and and so by sharing the the director and and you know splitting off the studio and location time, uh, he saved a lot of money and got the the two parter approved. Um, for the two parter. He hired Bob Baker and Dave Martin, uh, who had written The Three Doctors in back in season 10, uh, two years ago, the uh, 10th anniversary special. And uh, he gave them this and told them that uh, it had to be on location only and it had to feature the Centaurans because the Centauran suits that they created for uh, the first Centauran story last season um, – were expensive and so he wanted to get some extra use out of them another you know uh money saving opportunity by like reusing costumes instead of having to create something new uh so they went about writing an episode called the destructors which was a two-part centauran episode and uh everything seemed to be going pretty well uh one of the things that's different in their draft of this is that uh, Earth was more of a post-apocalyptic wasteland a la like Planet of the Apes where uh, there was actually going to be – there's that there's that sort of runaway like small like just kind of like thrown off joke about uh, Piccadilly Square and how they're like in the middle of downtown and they're just like, aha, you're, you're hilarious and you can't tell – the doctor's joking or not mm -hmm. in the original script that joke is there and he's not joking and in fact they go downtown and it's like a wasteland and there's all this piccadilly square uh iconography everywhere kind of like the statue of liberty at the end of planet of the apes um spoilers for planet of the apes i guess uh, <laughs> it's kind of overly ambitious on their part i think uh yeah i would say so like what um, what in the what in this in the show's now decade long history made them think that they would be capable of doing that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so Robert Holmes got their script back. He liked part one. He kept most of that, um, and then he heavily rewrote part two and changed the title from the Destructors to the Centauran Experiment, which Baker and Martin were not happy with because it ruined their one and only cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> Which is, which is really funny. Um, I was wondering about that. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so then that happened. Another thing that happened. It'd be like uh, if they called the first Avengers movie like like the rise of Thanos. <laughs> right. Um, so the other thing that happened was that Kevin Lindsay, who played a Centauran in the previous episode. Uh, with the Centaurans. Uh, he came back to play the Centauran in this episode, Steyer. Um, but he had a heart condition and requested that the costume be 
redone so that uh, he could breathe better and see better and and walk around better and it would be like less uh, ridiculously, disgustingly hot. And uh, so they found the they, – they scrounged together the budget to do that and he got a brand new costume uh, for Steyer, the Centauran. And uh, – then uh, six months later, later actually died of his uh, heart condition, unfortunately. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Oh. So he was only uh, – this was like one of the last things he did, uh, Kevin Lindsay, before, uh, before dying. Uh, also Pour one this, out for Kevin Lindsay. Yeah. Also in this story, uh, Tom, Tom Baker slipped on wet grass and cracked his collarbone. Uh and was rushed to the hospital. And for the remainder of the story, his like collar – it's not a cast. I don't know what you would call that thing that you put on when you break your collar. Um, but uh, he it was hidden by his scarf, um, which was uh, a happy accident. <laughs> um, that, that was already part of his costume. Uh, but you'll notice that his clothes are quite a bit baggier in this story than other ones. And that's that's to hide – the uh his injury um and also he anytime he is in action he is shot from behind or from far away and that is because uh his stunt double for the episode who played one of the one of the dudes uh who first spot uh the doctor one of the one of the sniper guys mm-hmm. um he actually played uh the doctor in all the uh far away shots and from behind uh, because uh, Tom Baker couldn't lift his arm. Um, he wasn't allowed to uh, <laughs> because of his cracked collarbone. And then uh, finally, the last bit of, uh, of, of material is that um, Rodney Bennett, who had a whole other story to edit uh, with the Ark in Space, decided that rather than shoot this on film, which was what you would normally do with exterior stuff location shooting you you shoot that on film and then everything on set you shoot with the uh broadcast video cameras um instead of shooting it on film he actually uh brought in outside broadcast video cameras uh because he wanted the editing process to be easier and as a result of doing this uh the ob video cameras couldn't uh, they were not ca- capable of color separation overlay, which is how they would do a lot of the effects that they would do, such as um, our 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 you know big friendly robot in in robot. Um, yeah, <laughs> all that stuff was was done through color separation overlay, and you can't do that on OB video. You can only do that on film, and so because of that, they had the additional expense of building the robot that floats around. Um, They had to build like a practical version and fly it around practically because they couldn't use the color separation overlay to do it with a miniature, which is uh, what was budgeted. So uh, the story did go over budget a little bit um, between building a new costume, which they weren't supposed to do and building a full size, uh, drone thing that they weren't supposed to do uh it did go a little over budget but it was still a super cheap episode overall um and that's uh that's the background for the centauran experiment more than i would have thought there would have been yeah 
uh, being just like a simple two-parter and everything. But uh, yeah. Um, and, it, and it makes sense that Baker and Martin were heavily rewritten in part two because I find that uh, this episode makes way more sense than most of their stories and is in general more interesting and enjoyable than most of their stories. Uh, they're not the best. Not the worst. Not the worst. There are worse than them. But um, they're they're up there. There's Didn't, another writing team that are much worse than they are. They're not Underworld, are they? Are they? I thought they were. Are they are they Underworld or what? What about um, Pip and Baker? Right? Is oh no, Pip they and... are not Underworld. Okay, they're the wor- they they're the worst in my opinion. Oh God, no! I can't stand these guys. Oh, B- Baker and Martin. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think that these. I don't think this was so bad. Uh, but and I don't mind the three doctors at all. So. Uh. I believe uh, Time Monster is them, and yeah. uh, the Mutants, which is awful. Um, right. I can't remember. I think as far as bad, as far as bad writers for this show, I don't think. I mean, they're down. They're down there, but I don't. I don't consider them the worst. Um, I think is it, it's Pip and Baker, right? Is the other one uh, the Pip other and, writing team? Pip and Jane. They're married. They're married. Right, Pip and Jane. Yeah. They're the. They're the. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're really, really bad. Um, we've already had to watch one of their episodes, and it was, it was, it was awful. It was an awful, terrible experience. Um, so anyway, so that's uh, that's the background on this entire experiment. I'm fascinated to get a look at this somehow worse looking Santaran costume. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's a really great story. Um, the uh, time well, it ended uh, up in death, so I mean, it, it you know. Oh, this one. Okay. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm saying the, the 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 original one. I'm interested to see what that would look like. Oh, oh, the original one. Yeah, the original one was weird because the original one, the Centaurans spoke with their tongues, and so it was just like, yeah, it's like a it's like a really like really immovable Centauran costume with a hole in the mouth. And then the actors use their tongues to talk like, like that weird video of Gary Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like imagine that, but like, like a potato head. Um, so Gary Johnson. Yeah. Uh, only no hair, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, that's also uh, – that's a Robert Holmes story and uh, it's really good and also the introduction of Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's it's a really good one when we get to it eventually. But we got a few years. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, part one. Nick, take it away. I would love to, Scott. All right. All right. So – the doctor and uh, Surgeon and uh, her good friend Harry. Surgeon, um, what? Yeah, yeah, Surgeon Smurf. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they they transmit. Surgeon. <laughs> they uh, they transmit down to uh, space station Nerva, which I'm actually saying right. Uh, to <laughs> as we, as we said earlier, is um, an empty field. 
that is supposed to be Trafalgar Square. Uh, so the doctor starts repairing uh, circles on the transmat refractors with a sonic screwdriver. While um, and there's this really funny bit where, um, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Sarah Jane transmat like upside down into the ground? Yes. Yeah, and like on a hill, and so like for some reason, Sarah can't stand up while laying down downhill i don't like it was, yeah this episode isn't big on dignity sarah jane wise uh, no no although i really like that joke where harry's just like like the doctor just dives into being like oh what are these weird balls hanging out in in this mm-hmm. field let me check this out and harry's like i mean you look really busy and i don't mean to bother you but do you notice that it was just us that uh teleported here and i just like huh He's like, well, like, where's Sarah? And he goes, Sarah. And you just hear, like, screaming, like, (laughs) like, just like, ah! And he's like, that sounds like Sarah. And he's like, okay, I'll go check it out. Yeah, like, that doesn't even turn around or stop what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. Um, I also love her, uh, her yellow raincoat. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's Fisherman Sarah with, with highlighter boots. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know what? In the best way possible, Sarah Jane, a lot of the time, dresses like Charlize Theron's character in Arrested Development. <laughs> oh, no. Again, in the best way possible. Mr. F. Mr. F. <laughs> Love indubitably. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, so they get Sarah off the hill. I don't know. And um, they walk across the plain of, of uh, Trafalgar Square and Sarah hears a weird sound and um, a movement that seems to be coming from on top of the hill. Aries like, ah, yo, yo, but uh, to, <laughs> um, what? he's 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 very proper and very like upper crust. Like, why? Why do you make him sound like he just stepped out of an alley in like 1880s London? It sounds covered, like covered Ben. In soot. It sounds like Ben having a stroke. Like, yeah. Okay, maybe I was getting my Bens and my uh, my Harrys mixed up. Um, uh, so yeah, so they find they find two men in spacesuits named Eric and Z- Eric and Zake. Yeah. Um, they pronounce it, it. They don't pronounce it a rock, do they? Because it's spelled. So. It's spelled E R A K, but I think they call him just Eric. Um, it's kind of like that one Lannister whose name is like, what's his name? Keith. It's not. Is it? Is it? Is it Eric? Was it Eric? I think it was Eric. Yeah. Like Eric. I don't remember. Yeah. He drives an Eric. <laughs> Uh, sorry. And um, so they're observing uh, the doctor through the crosshairs of their rifle. Um, Iraq leaves Zake to um, to go check up on the doctor while he reports um, the presence of the doctor to another guy in a spacesuit whose name is Kranz or Kranz, Kranz, uh, who's tending to a campfire. Well, that's going on. Harry slips on the edge of a hole. And tumbles into it. So he's stuck. He can't climb out. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite shot in this whole two-parter is just that, just that like, 
you you see him fall and Sarah goes over to the edge of the hole and is like, Harry! And then you just go to him and he's just unconscious, sprawled out at the bottom of the hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenal. So, like, they've done nothing so far but wander around a field and they've both already, like, been, like, incapacitated. Well... I mean, Sarah can't literally came on the scene incapacitated. <laughs> That's true. She kind of softened the wrong foot. <laughs> it's like when you are playing Mario Kart and you like overshoot the engine right at the start of the race and then you're like spinning in a circle. Aww. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. So Zake is, is observing the doctor and then but that's interrupted by a strange floating robot. Um, so Zake... <laughs> Zake runs away. It's a pretty good looking robot as far as Doctor Who is concerned, I think. It looks uh, like it, – because it's it's a cool looking robot because it kind of looks like an alien with like eye stalks and and like uh, like a like a like a Fu Manchu like catfish like whiskers. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a crab. Yeah, or like it's, a catfish. Yeah. Yeah, like, like a catfish crab. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it would have a funny voice if it could talk. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like it would sound like Admiral Akbar. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Zeke. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> okay. So Zeke falls off a cliff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. And and he doesn't he doesn't fall off a cliff. He jumps off a cliff. Yeah. There's a lot of falling and tripping in this episode with very not, serious consequences. There's nothing else going on. I mean Yeah. Um so yeah, so then Eric and Imagine Kranz- imagine if this was four parts. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, there would oh, be a whole part of just just Harry and um and and Sarah Jane is like like bombing around the field. Yeah. I don't think this. There'd probably be a whole episode of him in the hole and her trying to get him out of the yeah, hole. Yeah, him falling into the hole would have been a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I need to remember to always listen to classic Who. With headphones on because that theme song drives my dog like nanas. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Because it's just this piercing siren. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, yeah. So um so Eric and Kranz find Zake's body. <laughs> Crayons. Cray <laughs> crayons. Um <laughs> like KT of an alien guy named Crayons. Um <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, oh no, like that weird guy killed Zake. So they stun him with their rifles before he can explain that it was a catfish robot. And so they uh, they carry the doctor away, but there's another spaceman watching them. And as we uh, learn later on, his name is Roth. So Sarah gets back to the circle, sees the doctor's gone, leaves his, his screwdrivers on the ground. And she's like, well, that's not like him. Um, so Sarah returns to the hole. Harry's gone and someone has something has started throwing rocks down at Harry and uh, he's like scrambling for cover. He's found the way out of the hole. He's climbing through some rocks. Sarah's about to climb down into the hole to look for Harry, but then she's grabbed by Roth 
as a weird catfish robot flies past. So Roth's, Roth's like, I'm Roth. Sarah's like, okay. <laughs> why, why are you throwing rocks at people? And he's like, I'm trying to trap that robot. It's a drone. And then um, he's like, hey, that, that, that alien, I mean, that robot works for an alien who lives in the rocks. And he's like torturing and killing all of us one by one. And so he's like, hella, he's, he's, he's really like been gunning pretty hard at this point. And you could tell that he's like, He's seen a lot of serious crap go down. So he's like, they're not taking me alive. And he's like, well, maybe my friends can can help you. And then he's like, oh, your friends. I and mean, I wonder if it was that guy that was taken to the campsite by Eric and Crayons. Um, meanwhile, at the campsite, they're like, you know, that thing where they're trying to figure out who the doctor is because they think that he's like an enemy combatant. And the doctor's like, I'll never tell. <laughs> there's There's this amazing part in that where... The doctor – because they like zap him unconscious and take him to their campsite and they lay him on the ground, walk away and then they're like, so when do you think he's going to wake up? And the doctor starts waking up and he's like, I guess it will be now. I, I'm not kidding you guys. Like listening if you haven't seen this. Th- that whole thing that I just said takes place over the course of about five seconds. So they bring him in, sit him down, walk away. When do you we think he's going to wake up? The doctor wakes up and then they go back over to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like it was it's the worst blocking maybe I've ever seen and the doc like Dr. Classic who is pretty well known for bad blocking in general. But then the icing on the cake is when the doctor wakes up and he's like he's like uh uh he he tells is it uh I don't know the difference between uh, E-Rock and Krons, but – It doesn't matter. OK. So I'm going to assume E-Rock is the boss and, and Krons is the lackey guy. So sure. E-Rock tells Krons to un, like untie the doctor but keep his hands tied. So uh, Krons goes over. He pulls out his big machete. And he goes over to the doctor's feet and he leans over the doctor's feet and starts – sawing his arm back and forth but then you can obviously see him untying with the other hand <laughs> the rope and then and then pulls the ropes off and then puts the machete away away like it's a job well done and i'm just like that was awful like <laughs> that was it was it was like magically bad like i couldn't believe what i was seeing <laughs> Just obviously untying with one hand while miming cutting the rope with the other. Like they couldn't afford extra rope, so he couldn't cut through it in case they needed another take. That's amazing. It's a cheap story is what I'm saying. Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who, everybody. It's a cheap story. <laughs> amazing. Anyway, did, you guys, so, did, did either of you notice that? No, I didn't no, catch that. All. Oh, God, it's magical. <laughs> Anyway, so, continue. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the doctor's like, I'm from Vera. And they're like, that's stupid because Vera is not real. It's like Atlantis. Um, and he's like, we're from the cal- we're from the colony of Galsec. And the doctor's like, that's a no looking button. And um, he identifies it as non human technology, and it's like a remote camera. So that means it's somewhere else. Everything they're doing is being observed by some kind of gray 
potato shaped <laughs> figure. I I will say uh, I really like that despite this being – but despite the Ark in Space and Centauran Experiment being uh, – originally being a six-parter that was split into two stories, it's still sort of one story because the space station Nerva is the space station from the Ark in Space and they all think of it as Atlantis because it was lost in space for so long. Um which is, you know, part of the story of, of uh, Ark in Space. So I just – I like all of that connective tissue that's going on there because you don't get a lot of that in Classic Who normally. Uh, and and so I'm just – it's interesting to see so much continuity between two stories. I yeah, I kind of wish – I kind of wish there was more Nerva in this episode. Yeah. Because it kind of – like that's kind of – where it stops yeah sure sure um but it's it's more than usual uh with classic who so yeah i like it yeah yeah so so yeah so the potatoes watching them roth brings sarah near the campsite but he's like i'm not getting close to that campsite so I saw he's like i saw saw i saw Viral go down to the rocks and the alien let Viral go so the men from Galsec, Krampus and uh, Eric, <laughs> um, tell the doctor that um, one of their freighters has gone missing. And so they got a distress signal. And she goes, oh, so you're with the military. And they're like, whatever. So our ship got vaporized. <laughs> Nine of us were stranded out here. And now we're just being vanished. We're just like disappearing one by one. It's like Predator. And he's like, what's Predator? And they're like, it's not important. So then, <laughs> So the doctor's like, well, I'll fix your transmat refacto for a price. <laughs> I can't. I honestly, Nick, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I really cannot wait. I mean, one of the th- reasons that I'm so excited to be doing this show with you is because I can't wait for two years from now when you have mastered all of the classic doctor's impressions. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you're just you're just nailing all of them. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, be nice. it'll be a great day. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> so so Verl's like, we're not taking orders from you old people. And um like, what does that mean? So while the Nervans did nothing but sleep for like thousands of years, the rest of mankind spread all across the galaxy and built like an empire. So that's kind of what's been going on in the mythology of um the Nervaverse, whatever if you want to call it that. Um the Nerva era. So Roth appears and then the three Miss Basemen are like, oh, my God, it's Roth. And they start chasing him. And then Snera, Snera, Snera seeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sneaks out of the rocks and frees the doctor. So um, Roth manages to escape. From oh, the- I really I really like that moment because the, the doctor, she comes out and she helps him. And uh, she comes like walking down like some rocks and and she helps him out. And is like, come on. And the doctor asks her a question. I think she he's basically just like, who? Oh, yeah. He, she say, he says, who's your friend? And she says, I'll explain later, which is great because you you always see the doctor saying, I'll explain later to the to the companions. Yeah, yeah. But you very rarely see the companion saying, I'll explain later to the doctor. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a nice little. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So, yeah. So, um, the Roth meets up with Sarah and the doctor. She's like, this the is Roth. This is the Roth. Uh, and uh, there's Can a- you smell what the Roth, Roth is cooking? <laughs> and so, uh, so oh they're, they're, they tell him about the catfish robot. And um, the doctor's like, hmm, look at this weird residue on the ground. It seems to be some kind of evidence of a Terulean drive. But there's no Terulean in this galaxy. Curious. So he's like, well, there must be some way out of the hole that Harry fell in. But as they climb down, he falls, losing consciousness. Because <laughs> that's apparently just how you get into that hole. Is you, oh, yeah. you fall and lose consciousness. <laughs> like, he was trying to get in the hole, and he still <laughs> fell and lost consciousness. Uh, yeah. It's like and the then, platform at nine and three quarters. You have to just run headfirst into the wall. You just have to tumble down. Yeah. Or it's like a video yeah. game where <laughs> yeah. like you or it's like a video game where like you have to lose some health by jumping down to the yeah, hole. Like, like no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um so then at that rope at that moment the the catfish robot returns and uh captures Roth and Sarah. Uh meanwhile Harry is up into the hills doing hill things where he <laughs> spots a um a weird metal sphere among the rocks. And so he's watching, and then a robot, the, the catfish robot, arrives with Roth and Sarah. The ship's door opens, and to Sarah's utter terror and horror, the alien takes off his helmet and reveals that he is a Centauran. <laughs> he is a potato. He is, and always will be, a potato. And a uh, dumb the, potato. Yeah, dumb, weird potato that can't talk right. <laughs> and does he, the, has he shown off his gun does he show off his gun in that for in that no no he, he literally it ends with him it is it, it actually ends like seconds after taking off the helmet okay. right yeah right um yeah a lot of a uh, lot of falling in holes everybody got a turn uh to 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 fall down in in a field or a hole um it's uh Fine. It's fine. Uh part one part one is uh part one is fine, but but there's no real plot really, other than like Nick suggested it was basically the plot of the predator, but in a field. Um <laughs> instead of the jungle. Right. Uh and you never see the predator until the end, and the predator is a potato. Yeah, <laughs> not scary or cool at all. <laughs> right. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, part one's part one's fine, uh, but part two, I I will say that I I I actually quite like part two. So um, tell us about it, Cass. All right, so, tell us about it, Cass. <laughs> uh, Sarah recognizes that it is a Centauran, and she thinks it's the Centauran from her first encounter with the Centaurans because he looks exactly the same, but he is in fact not. Links the Centauran. He is Steyr of the Centauran G3 military. Something. I, I, okay, so I love this for multiple things. I just, I have a lot to say about this, 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 this first interaction. Okay. <laughs> because, okay, so number one, number one, from, from the meta standpoint, the creators are worried that anyone is going to recognize. <laughs> Kevin Lindsay as a centaur as the centaur links 
So they say they make sure that Sarah recognizes it, points this out, and they cover their ass. Yes. Ridiculous, but fine. <laughs> honorable. Honorable. However, in the context of the story, it just looks like a Centauran. So I love the fact that, in a way, the show is calling all of us racist. Because, <laughs> because Sarah, <laughs> yeah, because Sarah's like, no, yeah. you look the same as that one particular Centaurus. Same ugly, stupid face. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all just like, I mean, it just looks like a Centaurian. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so I just love that Sarah can tell the distinct difference between Centaur and clone models. Um <laughs> I just, I, you know, respect Sarah Jane, respect. I, I love Sarah Jane so much anyway. I'm surprised that she even remembers the name of that Centauran. I know. Because I don't. Well, well, to be fair, it was the first alien she had ever seen. That's true. Yeah, you Uh, don't forget stuff like that. You yeah. never forget your first alien. Yeah. I like her mm-hmm. spiel, though. She's like, it's impossible. You were destroyed in the 13th century, which is like the most Doctor Who thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how he knows exactly what she's talking about. Or if he doesn't, he just goes with it. He's like, yeah, no, uh, we're clones. It's fine. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, so he explains that. Uh, are, there, are they mention? Are, do they mention that they're clones in the Time Warrior? Or is this the is it the first part I, of that? And is the reason that Centaurans are clones is just because they they recast the same guy <laughs> and we're planning on using the same costume? I don't believe that because there's only the one Centauran in that story, so you wouldn't say that they were clones. There's no reason to. Right. I don't remember. Honestly, oh the only God, thing I really is... remember from that story is the courtyard scene, but we'll get to that eventually. Oh God, it's it's amazing. <laughs> um, but but uh, yeah, I just it's the most Doctor Who thing ever because it's it's not dissimilar to the to the regeneration thing where it's like they just invented that because they needed to recast the role, right? And here they invent the fact that the Centaurans are a race of clones just because they were planning on reusing the same costume. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. It's so good. Anyway. <laughs> um, so he's on a he's with the military because all Centaurans are with the military. And he is his job is to survey Earth. Um so Roth freaks out and he's like, you'll never, you know, you'll never take me. And so Steyer takes out his gun and there's this really great shot of him, like with the gun close up and then he's all kind of blurry and he's aiming for Roth as he's running away. And the the gun looks like a ping pong ball stuck to the end of a water gun. Or Basically, I thought a hot glue gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the ping pong ball lights up when he shoots it and it makes it's, a silly noise. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's the most half-assed thing I've ever seen. It's, 
It's amazing. I props, love it so much. Props did, did not have time for that today. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say props to the props department. <laughs> yeah. Props for props. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's running, Steyer shoots him, uh, Roth dies, uh, and Sarah... Sarah screams because that's what Sarah does in this episode. And there's that really great line where he's just like, why are you making that disagreeable noise? Which I, (laughs) it's like, uh, well, you just murdered this guy. Um, so meanwhile, our, for our three, uh, spacemen from, is it Gal, Gal Galsack? Uh, they find Mm -hmm. the doctor in the hole. The doctor's climbing out of the hole and he hears people approaching and he's like, Sarah? And it's these three guys. So they, like, force him to climb out. And they also have silly ping pong ball guns. And the uh, the catfish robot shows up behind them. And he, like, it grabs all of them the way that it grabbed Sarah and Roth. And the doctor just, like, quietly just slides back into the bottom of the hole. And he finds the same area that Harry crawled through and Harry's just hanging out on the rocks. He finds another spaceman chained there and like Harry is a doctor or he's supposed to be a doctor, but he doesn't really check the guy out like a doctor would like, you know, like a medical doctor. Like if you were a medical doctor and you saw this guy strung up by his wrists and he was dehydrated, like, wouldn't you like do something about it? Well, but, he listens to his heart, and I think he's dead. So he's just like, "Oh well." Well, no, because he asks for water, and then Harry's oh, like, "Does he?" Yeah, and then Harry's like, "Okay," and then he never comes back to him. Oh. <laughs> but um, so Steyer, uh, he ties Sarah up to his rock fortress, and there's like this. It looks like a reflector button from like a bicycle, like one of those like ref- like red reflector things. Um, with like aluminum foil taped to the back of it. So he places it on her forehead and there's this force field around her. And so Steyer goes to this other station and he, it's got like a TV screen and he reports to his superior, uh, the marshal and the marshal's not really impressed. Uh, he's really impatient. He's like, where's your report? And he's just like, well, I, you know, I still have to conduct these experiments, so it'll be a little while. And so Steyer, uh, he goes to experiment on Sarah, and he's like, all right, well, let's see how well she does uh, resisting fear. So the weird bicycle aluminum foil thing on her head um, makes her start to hallucinate, I guess. Uh, and like Jonathan Crane style, scarecrow. It, yeah, but like no no fear gas there's like a snake and i don't know why she's afraid of the like rocks teetering over her i missed that one and then there's like this Mm -hmm. this weird mud bubble wrap stuff that starts to like eat her from her foot and i think it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be quicksand but it it looks like gross wet sewage bubble wrap (laughs) Um, i mean i would be scared of that too so (laughs) it's like it's like the stuff that Literally, it's what I think of when you say, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, it's that weird stuff that just turns people into, like, X-Men or whatever. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) 
she she's like freaking out and the doctor sees her and he's trying to say like oh no it's not real you know fight it with sarah but she's like losing her mind so he uses the sonic screwdriver to break there's like this uh this metal grate built into one of the like the rocks um that's powering the force field so he uses that and breaks it and then he like takes the the bicycle aluminum thing off of her head and she you know yells and falls unconscious as women do uh on doctor who and the doctor kind of turns around and the centaurin's there so he like lunges at for the centaurin but then like he kind of like pushes the doctor away and then the doctor like makes to run but then uh Steyer shoots him uh with the same gun that killed our friend Roth so the doctor's dead wink wink um so <laughs> i don't know what Steyer is doing in the meantime because Harry like he just abandons Sarah because Harry finds Sarah and he sees the doctor and they're like, oh, they're both dead. But again, Harry is a medical doctor. You should like check their pulse. That's the first thing you do when you find an unconscious body. Um, did, he, did he know that? Did we know that as a species at the time, though? I you would think like in the 70s. Yeah. Right. I'm not totally sure, because what he does is he walks up to her and lifts her eyelids and like looks at her eyes. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was weird too because I was like, what, what is he? He's like checking to see if her eyes are rolled back in her head, and I'm like, I'm just worried about her, Scott. Well, I just, <laughs> but I mean, like, what does that do? Like, what, right? Do you that think doesn't. She's like, I yeah. don't understand. <laughs> what are you trying to prove? Harry's a terrible medical doctor. Um. So is, is there is there something with like? How your eyes react when you're when you have a concussion? Maybe is I that what he's checking? I don't know because you you know how in like some like TV shows and stuff too they'll like shine a flashlight into someone's eye when they're unconscious or right checking for I guess checking for pupil dilation. But if you're unconscious, I don't think that happens. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, whatever. It's weird, but. Harry probably failed medical school and lied on all of his uniforms. I mean, that's that's why he that's why he works at Unit, right. not a real hospital, <laughs> not the not like the British <laughs> Royal Hospital or whatever. Um, yeah, right. Wouldn't that be a show? <laughs> <laughs> so the the poor guy strung up by his uh, wrists, asking for water, has since died because Harry is a terrible human being, mm-hmm. and. Um, I almost called him Strax. It's not Strax. It's Steyer. I wish. <laughs> Steyer records uh, the result of the experiment and, you know, humans. Uh, he comes He comes walking down because, like, Harry goes and listens to the guy's heart and then hears Steyer coming. So he runs around the corner and then Steyer comes walking literally from a corner that has no possible way out. Of- yeah. Um, which is just like, where, what do you just jump down from the, from the top? Like, I don't, I don't understand, but he comes walking in and it's the funniest thing because he's walking very precariously over this, over all of these like narrow jagged rocks because he can't actually, like the actor can't see in the mask cause he can't look down. Right. And so 
he's just like kind of like really precariously walking and it just it takes like a full like 40 seconds to him to get over to the it's dehydrated so body of this guy <laughs> Uh, we're just we're just watching Steyer just like precariously ro- walk over these rocks, and I'm like, cut later. Like, what are you? T- <laughs> we don't need to see all this again. Like, what if this was six parts? <laughs> oh my we god! We watch his entire journey. <laughs> Incredible! It's like we go twenty on minutes that journey with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! So Steyer is checking on the body of this guy. And recording his findings in his little alien tape recorder. And Harry is kind of crouching behind a rock, ready to pounce on him. But the doctor kind of pulls him back. And I don't remember if the doctor also covers Harry's mouth. but Because I know that random guy covers Sarah's mouth earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the reason that the doctor is alive is because... Steyer's uh, ping pong glue gun uh, instead <laughs> shot a piece. I, I love the idea that it, it, it just is a glue gun and it just got the ping pong ball stuck to the end of it because <laughs> of the glue. Like, ah, crap. <laughs> anyway. Um, so he shot instead a piece of scrap metal that the doctor just had in his pocket, I guess. And there's this really funny exchange where the doctor is looking for his, basically his, like, diary to see what notes he has on the Centaurans. And he's like, we'll never throw anything away, Harry. And then he's, like, patting down his pockets. And then he's just like, uh, never overcrowd your pockets. And <laughs> so I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Um, the uh, So the doctor... Tells Harry to look after Sarah, and he goes off and is going to try and figure out what Steyer's up to. So the catfish robot brings the uh, our three spacemen to the Centauran ship, and it turns out that Verl, their leader, the one that Doctor was like, oh, that's a weird little button on your, your shirt there. He uh, had tried to make a deal with the Centauran in exchange for his own life at the expense of his crewmen. Um, but Steyer, instead, he's just like, well, you're a scumbag because you're a traitor to your own race, so I'm going to experiment on you anyway, and then I'm going to kill all of you, as Centaurans do. So he, uh, it's really messed up, actually. So he has this big metal bar, and I guess it's like some kind of gravity thing. So he can control the gravity of the object, which which makes no sense, but whatever, it's Doctor Who. So Eric and Kranz are each holding this metal bar above uh, their leader's chest, and then he is increasingly making it heavier. So they're literally, like, straining to hold it up above this guy's chest to keep from, like, crushing his, like, ribcage. And... Which is really dark. Uh, so the the this keeps happening, and you think the guy's gonna die, and then Steyer gets a call from his superior, and he's just like, "Ah, okay, I'll come back to you guys later." So he like turns it off, or he like keeps it going, and then he runs over to the 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 TV screen to go 
report to his superior and the superior is like, you know, we need to hurry up. The whole fleet's waiting. The whole invasion's counting on you. And he's just like, well, hang on. I have like two more experiments. It's fine. Um, so the doctor meets up again with Sarah and Harry and he, he tells them that somehow the galaxy is now important to the Centaurans. So the Centaurans are going to try and like invade. So they're, that's why this guy's here. And Steyer is supposed to figure out what humanity's weakness is, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. So the doctor decides that he is going to challenge Steyer into, in single combat, single combat. And meanwhile, they're going to sabotage his ship and hopefully this will stop the Centaurans from invading. Um, so the doctor, you know, shows up and he, he tells him that the humans he's been experimenting on aren't actually military, that they're slaves and he is the superior human being and basically fight me. And so they, they fight. Um, and I don't know what the doctor has. Is it like a pipe? I couldn't figure that out either. All I know is uh, for all the places where they found an additional budget for, fight choreography was not one of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Because Steyer has the the big machete thing. Uh And then the doctor has a tree branch, I think, that looks like 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 a pipe. Um, and they are like, it's supposed to be a badass sword fight, but instead it's this guy in a weird potato mask swinging a machete around while the doctor just kind of backs up ever so slightly. Yeah. And kind of smacking the machete away. Right. (laughs) And then they start like wrestling. Um, but the doctor says that Centaurans aren't used to Earth's gravity, so I guess he he's going to get tired out. Um, which maybe accounts for his terrible fight everything, but... Possibly, but it, it also it also reeks of uh, of a of a two-parters uh, like, desperate need for a deus ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Harry is sabotaging the ship while this is happened while this happens and Steyer is basically like all right so hang on i'm just going to chill out in my ship for a moment and then i'm going to come and i'm going to kill you which makes no sense so he goes to the ship and Harry has come back with this gadget this like made up computer alien piece of whatever and then the ship starts like smoking i guess there's like steam or gas or something and the doctor's like oh we should go and then he he this i the the centauran like shrinks and then like his weird potato head deflates like a balloon and then he explodes. Mm. I don't Centaur- know why. The, the, Centaur- uh, the gravity thing. It kind of looks like a basketball. 
like a deflated it's, basketball. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the it's the great it's the gravity thing. I think. I don't. Uh, no, it's. I think it's. I guess they have to like plug themselves in and feed off energy or something. But the doctor says that the energy instead fed on Steyer, which makes oh. no sense. Which I guess is what Harry took oh, out of the machine. Oh, because they sabotaged the machine. I yeah. Think. So maybe Harry like they reversed. They reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> oh uh-huh. man! So he uh, he's dead. The, the Santarn Experiment Part Two, also known as the Ballad of the Deflating Santarn. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor basically goes to the transmitter to gloat, and he tells uh, the Marshall Santarn that since Steyer couldn't figure out or finish all of his experiments, the invasion is canceled and I, which, okay. And then he like pulls some stuff out of his butt. He's just like, if you, you know, cross some arbitrary zone, your entire fleet's going to be destroyed. And the marshal's like, Oh, that's terrible. And we'll, you know, the centaurs will rise again. And then <laughs> we totally buy this. Yeah. <laughs> Click. And <Goodbye. laughs> And then, so basically, I guess in the scuffle, the the guy that was getting squished um, dies. Um, so the the two our two friends Eric and Kranz, um, they they all go to the the circle of spheres, and the doctor and Sarah and Harry all beam back up to Nerva to let them know that there's humans down there, and um, that's the end of this. Is Sorry. is that how the cool reason? Have, how cool would it have been if they had cut to like the Ark in space? Is that the reason that they left the the Ark? Is just to see if anyone was alive on Earth? Um, I think they specifically went down to fix the sphere things, the transmat thing. Oh, okay. And and he fixed it, so then they were like they went yeah. back up to the Ark, and now they're going to leave on the TARDIS from the Ark. Yep. Okay. It was yeah, weird th- having an episode end with them like leaving a planet, but not in the TARDIS. Right. Yeah. But they yeah. do disappear, and he kind of blinks in and out as he does. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Like, like this would be a weird first episode to watch because it'd be like, wait, he just has the ability to just kind of phase in and out of time and space. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, and, and and the episode ends with the with the doctor quoting Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not that quote. Uh, <laughs> the deflated centaur and throws the ice the extra ice cream cone in a garbage can. Oh. I have to find Baba. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says he basically he's he, I mean he essentially says life is like a transmit beam, you never know what you're gonna get, and then he disappears. <laughs> like, okay, thanks, Doctor. Uh yeah, it's 
I I like part two a lot. I think part two is really good, well, which yeah, makes sense. Stuff happens, right? Well, and it makes sense because Robert Holmes rewrote it all, um, and he created the Centaurans, so he understands them and uh, came up with cool, like messed up stuff that Centaurans would totally do to like you know test humans. Right. Yeah, it's a weird episode to watch. Knowing that in the future, like there's going to be like a really adorable, huggable <laughs> Suntaran, uh huh, that like would be down for everything that happens in this episode, like morally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, what what do you what do you think of? Uh, I mean, this is the, your first classic Who Suntaran. What do you think of him? Well, he, he was very unsettling looking. Um, I feel bad for the actor that, uh, that, that wore it. Um, but, you know, the, uh, it was a good performance. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you can see why the Centaurans are still around today. Cause I mean, it is kind of like a, I guess it's weird. They're kind of like, the Centaurans are kind of like the penguin of Doctor Who. Like, I don't think yeah. the, I don't think the penguin is anyone's favorite Batman villain, but yeah. he is one of like the most well-known Batman villains. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, you the the argument could be made that they're the uh of the classic who villains they're the like you know fourth most iconic. Um. You know, because I mean, if you look at the uh. uh yeah, I mean, if you look at the the you know new new Who, the modern Who, you know the first season uh, brought in the Daleks, the second season brought in the Cybermen, the third season brought in uh, the Master, and the fourth season introduced the Centaurans. Mm-hmm. So um, it's also weird because I'm just now realizing that they they brought them all back in the order that they first appeared in the classic show as well. Well, I mean, Autons though weird um oh yeah i guess autons were first that's right but then the autons like never came back until like the very end of season five that's true um and i don't think i think a lot of like modern who fans just know them as like the 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 shop dummy that's the like the shop dummy episode you know because do they even really talk about them as autons or do they really talk about them as the Living plastic and all of that stuff. The, uh, um, what's the hive mind? The Auton hive mind? What is that called? Oh, gosh. Uh, nesting consciousness? Yeah, the ne- right? yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I remember them saying nesting consciousness and living plastic a lot, but I don't remember in rows them specifically calling them Autons. Hmm. Not until, um, not until the, the, the um, Big Bang, I think, is when Big Bang and when they uh, like name drop it. Yeah, when they name drop Auton. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I think you're right. But <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I I I like Centaurans, and I don't think 
I feel like we return to the well a lot with the Centaurians. Like now they're just sort of comic relief because Moffat just thinks they're hilarious. But uh, I I feel like the Centaurians could be interesting. And I think there's a lot of ground you can cover with them. But we tend to just keep returning to the well and not really do anything different with them. Mm-hmm. But I like these – the first two uh, Robert Holmes stories um, – this one as script editor and the previous one as writer. Uh, I like what he does with them a lot. Uh, Cause yeah. I do, I find them, I find them interesting villains cause they are sort of one dimensional, but like they're one dimensional in like an interesting way to me. Um, cause yeah. you know, they are just like, yeah, no, we're built for war and that's all we care about. We love war. And yeah. And I, I don't know. I find it I find them interesting as villains against the doctor who is very um you know peace. he's he's a yeah he's like he's like a peacemonger and they're warmongers. <laughs> mm-hmm. In a way I find that interesting. In a way they're kind of the um the Klingons of Doctor Who. Oh I yeah, guess, definitely. Yeah, I've never thought about that before. And but. the Daleks are like the Borg. Yeah. No, well, no, no Cybermen are the Borg. Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, cyber, yeah. the Cybermen, the Borg are literally ripoffs of the, the Cybermen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Cybermen, like, like literally, um, the Borg are like Cybermen with like poetry. <laughs> uh, maybe I think you're just thinking of the Borg Queen. I am. I am mostly thinking of First Contact. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what else is the, new? Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um. Uh, so yeah, and I, I like that. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention was that I really like this episode for the the concept of it is really really dark, but the execution of it it's like really dark and twisted. But the execution of it isn't so much. And I just look at this and I'm like, yeah, this is what I want dark like messed up Doctor Who to be like, not like Attack of the Cybermen. Right. You know? Sure. Like I want I want that like that that scene with the big weight and the two guys like having to hold it over their friend and like try and keep it up off of his chest. Like that's messed up, but it's it's all sort of messed up in theory. Whereas Attack of the Cybermen is literally just like Eric Sayward just being like, hey wouldn't it be messed up if we just crushed this dude's hands? <laughs> that would be so messed up. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll get in Fangoria this month. That's Got yeah. I, I, I much prefer Robert Holmes, like dark, as opposed to Eric Sayward's dark. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a sense of subtlety and. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, class mm. to to Robert Holmes's uh, version of like dark and twisted, whereas like Eric Sayward is just like bah, 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 metal, metal. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it really just feels like Eric Sayward's just like writing Doctor Who while like listening to like Ozzy Osbourne like albums and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think the two of them really illustrate well the difference between horror and terror yes um and horror is always more interesting yeah 
or horror and like gore or violence. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, part one is a real run around, uh, but but part two is real good. I, I feel like part one is is such a run around because I think if and not to give them too much credit, but I think if uh, if Bob and Dave had known that the episode was going to be called the Centauran Experiment, I don't think that they would have felt the need to build to their stupid cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. As much and and part one may have been better than it is. Yeah. It really just felt like a long walk to that cliffhanger. <laughs> it's not as Literally. bad as I remember it being, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's short. Right. Yeah. It's it's under an hour. That's always good. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Uh well, in the time it took you to listen to this episode, you could have watched this story. So um, <laughs> There's that. Yeah. But now you don't have to. Now you don't have to. Uh yeah, so uh we'll be back next week to talk about Kinda. Yes. Uh, which is a fifth doctor story. And in the meantime, you can go to our website, DuelingGenre.com, where you can check out this podcast as well as all of our others, like Back to the Future Minute, which is currently on hiatus, but coming back in January with Back to the Future Part 3. That's uh, Nick and I are on that show. Uh, Cass and Norman do mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings Minute, uh, which is in the midst of Fellowship of the Ring, the extended edition. Uh, so uh, go check that out. They haven't left the Shire yet. No. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so go check that out. Yeah, they're two months in or something like that, and and they haven't left the Shire yet. Yep, forty minutes uh, in, we're still in the Shire. Yeah. Um. So Lord of the Rings minute, check that out. Premiering tomorrow on the site is Harry Potter minute, which has nothing to do with the three of us, other than dueling genre is hosting the show. Uh. For uh, Gary and his co-host, who I don't know personally, so I don't remember her name. Sorry. Sorry, co-host. Um, sorry, Gary's co-host. I can't remember. Uh, what? No, nah, sorry. I was joking. Okay. Bonnie Wright, the actress that played Jenny Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, so, uh, and then go check out uh, Geek by Night, which will be coming back this month. Uh, or probably late this month, probably like after Thanksgiving with um, the next uh, the next episode. And uh, go to our Patreon page, duelinggenre.com slash support. If we get more uh, TDC-centric listeners up on Patreon, we'll, uh, we'll start doing TDC stuff um, on the Patreon. Right now, I think we only have one uh, TDC person. Uh, on the Patreon. So if more of you get on there and support us at the $5 level or higher, you get all the bonus stuff for all of our other shows. Uh, but we'll, we'll also start, maybe we'll start doing like a monthly, like bonus doctor who something or other, I don't know, um, for TDC, but, uh, or we you know, class. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we can make class like a Patreon thing. That would be fun. Um, classes in session. or uh or or maybe uh we could we could really torture ourselves and do torchwood um or uh 
Yeah, <laughs> torture wood. Uh, <laughs> or uh, I don't know other other stuff. Maybe uh, maybe DVDs. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you got the K9 DVDs. We've got uh, there's plenty of um, short stories and stuff we could do. There's comics. There's all kinds of things we could do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll start covering some supplemental material over on the Patreon, like once a month, if, uh, we start getting some more, uh, TDC, uh, patrons, uh, plus as a, uh, as a pa- Patreon subscriber, you can become a guest, sh- guest on the show like, uh, David Jeffries did, uh, last season and we'll, we'll probably do again. Yeah. Um, hi David, I'm sure you're going to be back. Uh, I was actually, I was actually going to ask him to be on this and I literally just forgot with all the hectic, hecticness going on in our lives. Um, uh, truth be told, uh, between the last episode and this one, I think it's been about six weeks. What? I think, I think since we recorded the last one, That's... cause you like got married and everything, oh, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. been a while. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so it's it's been a while. Cass got married. Um, a lot of time has passed between the recording of yeah, our last episode and this true. one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff happened. But um, I'm sure uh, David Jeffries will be back on. And if you guys want to be on the show, uh, I recommend becoming a Patreon patron because, uh, yeah, that's how you can be on the show. And uh, there's a donation button on the side. If Patreon's not your thing, you can just donate to the show directly that way. Uh, you can get a TDC shirt uh, uh, by uh, going to our uh, merchandise store at um, T Public. Uh, there's a link to that on our site as well. Um, you can email the show contact at thedoctorscompany.us, and uh, we're on Twitter and Tumblr. You can like us on Facebook, leave us iTunes reviews, all that good stuff. Yeah.